sexless marriages and gender issues, to love, honor, and obey? Are there distinct roles for men and women as they live and work in the church and in the home? We will be talking about these items and we want to hear from you as we sort out all things gender from a biblical perspective. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's today's host, Denny Burke. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. I'm Denny Burke, professor of New Testament here at the Criswell College, and I am sitting in for Dr. Johnson today. I'm declaring today Theology Friday here at Jerry Johnson Live. We're going to be talking about what the Bible teaches about gender, about the roles of men and women in the church and in the home, and about how all of this impacts you. To help us think through all of these issues, Randy Stinson, the executive director of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, will be joining us later. Then we will be taking your calls to hear what you think. So call us later at 1-800-881-9270 or email me at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. That's 1-800-881-9270. We're going to be talking about what the Bible teaches about gender, about the roles of men and women in the church and in the home, and we want to hear from you. So call us at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. Now, we know that gender issues are an area of sensitivity for a whole lot of people in our country. All you have to do is look at what happened to Lawrence Summers, the president of Harvard University, when he suggested that innate differences between the sexes explain why there's a shortage of elite female scientists in our country. The mere suggestion of differences between the sexes ultimately cost him the presidency of Harvard. But when it comes to talking about gender issues from a biblical perspective, the first thing you notice is that the spirit of the age is at odds with the spirit of God. What I mean by that is that what the culture is saying about gender is radically different from what the Bible is saying about gender. In Western culture, there has been a steady move away from traditional ideas about gender. Gender, according to our culture, is merely a social construct invented by patriarchal men who want to suppress and abuse women. Beyond differences differences in biology, we shouldn't act as if there are any other differences at a deeper level between men and women. That's the spirit of the age. What I want to share with you today is that I don't think that that's true. Uh, There are more deeper and profound differences that relate to the gospel message itself 
And to do that, I would like to introduce to you an essay by a good friend of mine, Dr. Russell Moore, who's the Dean of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he's written an essay on his online blog, called, it's titled Sexless Marriages, and it discusses the negative effects of gender role reversals in the home. And if you have any kids in the house, you might want to send them outside. This can get a little uh, personal here, but let me just read you a little bit from this essay that uh, Dr. Moore has written called Sexless Marriages. He says, of course, the typical complaint from men is that their wives are no longer interested in sex and that they no longer wish to put out the effort to convince them to have it. I am sure there are some men with frigid wives, but very rarely do I find this to be the case. Instead, when one peels back the bark enough, one will find a wife who doesn't trust or who doesn't respect her husband enough to desire intimacy with him. This doesn't necessarily mean that the man is unworthy of trust or respect, but it does mean that he had better sort out why this is the case from her point of view. Once again, I'm reading an article here from Russell Moore. Let me continue what he says. Dr. Moore says, Not long ago, I read an article about a high-powered female corporate CEO with a house husband who stayed home with the children. This arrangement seems logical in an egalitarian, gifts-based household economy. One of the women who, were doing, who was doing this, however, noted that she no longer found her husband sexually attractive. I don't know why, she said. I just feel like his mother or something. There are some sexually frustrated men whose frustrations are entirely outside their control. More often, though, there's a wife who feels like a mother or a concubine. She is stressed with wondering what the future holds with an indecisive man who will not lead. The answer for sexually icy marriages, however, is not to quote the Bible passages to one another as weapons, nor is it to put a calendar up with stars for each night of sex. Instead, perhaps it's for a husband first to look in the mirror and ask why the chill is there in the first place. What I want to know is, is what do you think about this? What do you think about gender and the roles that are related to gender? Are traditional gender roles something that is biblical? Is it something that you observe in your home? Um, Dr. Moore is saying that there is a, a role reversal happening in some homes today uh, where the woman is outside of the home, working outside, stressed out. The man is not. And this is, of course, kind of a, an exceptional instance, but he was saying it put a, a chill on the marriage with these women because there was a reversal there taking place. How do you feel about this? Is Dr. Moore correct about this or is he incorrect? You know, the scriptures do more than just allow sexual activity between husbands and wives. The Bible mandates a regular sexual union. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, but whether or not that's to happen and whether or not there is to be intimacy and closeness in marriage, how does that relate to uh, roles in a marriage? When those roles are reversed, can frustration frustration develop from that. Uh, you know, the Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, it says this, it says, husbands, or it says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. 
But as the church is subject to Christ, so also uh, wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. And so there's a text here in the scripture saying that there are distinct roles, it appears, for a man and a woman in a marriage. A man is to be the head of his household, and he is the head of his wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, and a woman is supposed to submit to that leadership. How do you feel about this? Our number here is 1-800-881-9270. We want to hear from you at 1-800-881-9270. It's interesting because the roles that are being outlined here in Ephesians Ephesians 5 are not just roles just for the sake of having roles, but they're very much connected to whether or not uh, the gospel is going to be proclaimed. As a matter of fact, the roles manifest the gospel itself. It says in uh, chapter 5, in verse 31, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. It's interesting because Paul says that the mystery is great, but he's speaking with reference to the Christ, to Christ and the church. And what he's saying there is, is not that marriage is, uh, or, or that the, the relationship of Christ and the church is illustrating what marriage is about, but really... The purpose and the intention of marriage is to demonstrate the gospel. In other words, the way a man loves his wife and the way a woman graciously submits to the servant leadership of her husband manifests the gospel in that it shows how Christ relates to his church and how the church relates to Christ. When those roles are reversed, when the husband doesn't lead, when the wife doesn't submit to that leadership, There is a distortion in terms of what the gospel is and the way that what the Bible says Christ is doing for his church. We want to hear from you this on this. When we come back, we're going to have an interview with Randy Stinson from the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. We'll see you then. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This is Denny Burke in for Jerry Johnson. I went a little long in that last segment. We had callers stacked up on the lines. We still want to hear from you, but we're going to wait until after the interview with Randy Stenson. Dr. Randy Stenson is the Executive Director for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Earlier today, we talked about the biblical roles of man and woman. Randy, I just finished reading to our listeners Russell Moore's commentary on sexless marriages, and we were talking about how the Bible describes the roles of men and women in the home. For some of our listeners, this is the first time they have ever heard of such a thing as distinct roles for men and women. Yet there are two words that we use to describe two different opinions about this issue, 
complementarianism, and egalitarianism. And this is Theology Friday here at JJL, at least that's what I'm calling it today. And what I would like for you to do, first of all, is to tell our listeners what these two words mean. Okay, well, I'll start with the, the egalitarian view. There are two basic views of how men and women should relate to one another within the evangelical community. The first view is the egalitarian view, and this view is, is uh, held by people who would argue that men and women are, are equal in the image of God, but there's also role interchangeability between men and women in the home and in the church. So in the home, you'd have no primary leader. Uh, you'd have the husband and wife interchanging their leadership roles there. In the church, you'd have no specific structure in the church with regard to men and women. So you'd have role interchangeability with the pastorate and other ministerial functions in the church. Uh, the complementarian view is the view that that I hold and the view that is represented by the organization that I lead, the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And that view says, certainly the Bible is very clear that men and women are equal in the image of God. You have Genesis 126 and 127 uh, clearly articulating that. But you also, uh, throughout the, the Old and New Testament, have these role differences between men and women. Uh, in the Old and New Testament, you have men uh, bearing the primary responsibility for leading the home, uh, Ephesians 5 says that wives should submit to the leadership uh, of their husbands. And also in the church, <clears throat> you have this structure in the church where there are uh, most of the teaching and preaching functions are, are reserved for men. So you do have Titus 2 uh, telling us that women are able to teach other women and are responsible to do that in different ways in the local church, but that the roles of pastor and other leadership roles in the church are reserved uh, are reserved for men, and we believe that that this differentiation between roles uh, and functions in the home and the church do not negate uh, full equality between men and women, and we believe it's a beautiful picture of Christ in the church as Ephesians five articulates, and we believe it's the way that God designed men and women to function uh, in harmony and in unity. So, if you're an egalitarian, you would say that in the uh, you know, women can be pastors. Um, they could basically run their homes over their husband, be the leader of the home. Is that the view? That that is generally the view. There's there's certainly uh, the the implication that women uh, women could be pastors of local churches. Uh, that uh, they would argue that the home is just based on on situational issues. So that if the wife has better leadership capabilities in one area, then she leads at that point. If the husband has better leadership abilities later on, he leads at that point. But there's no clear distinction uh, between the roles uh, of men and women in either venue. Okay, so but the roles are based on gender, according to what you're saying. That's right. The roles are based specifically on gender because God, uh, it seems to us to be clearest that in, even in the book of Genesis, when God made Adam and Eve even before the fall, that you have Adam having the primary responsibility of leading that first family, God gives him the commands in the garden. God uh, allows Adam to name all the animals, and he names Eve. You have the Bible telling us very clearly in the book of Genesis that Eve was made to be the specific and perfect helper for Adam. She's made for him, to help him. And even after the fall, when Eve is the first one to sin, you have God coming to who? The Bible says God comes looking for Adam, because he's calling Adam into account for his overall leadership in, the, in that first home. So, yeah, the, for us it's very clear, and um, there are these differences, and they are specifically based on gender. 
So why do you call uh, your view complementarianism? I mean, it seems seems like it should be subordinationism if it's all about, uh, you know, how women are subordinate to men or how men are leader. Why complementarianism? That suggests equality. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's part of the reason why we we use the word complementarian because we you know it's hard to find one word that that covers an entire view. But for us, the word carried with it two specific things. One, full equality, which is which is something we are very adamant about. It's very clear in the scriptures, but also the fact that men and women will fit together, not just biologically in a complementary way where uh, the, the different biological parts complement one another and fit together perfectly. Uh, we would also say that their different roles complement one another in a way that gives us okay. a picture of, of Christ in the church. And so it says, it says that they're equal but also that their roles, both roles are needed, and both roles are equally as important. We have a view in our culture today that whoever's in charge or whoever's leading is more important than the person who is following. And that is not a biblical view of authority and submission. It's not the biblical view of the different structures that God has put in place in the home, church, and even uh, even in society in some ways. And so what we're saying is there is a, there is an order that involves authority and submission, but that order uh, is complementary, and it doesn't devalue either person. They're both equally important. Now, a lot of people today think that gender is a social construct. For them, male and female, it, it may describe biological differences between different kinds of people, but that's about it. Um, and you think about uh, uh, you know verses like Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I mean, would you say that the Bible does seem to indicate in certain places that gender distinctions are obliterated? Well, that's a good, that's a great question. And in fact, um, you know, this is, this is one of the most common arguments that we, that we deal with. And what we would say is happening, number one, we would say gender roles are not merely a social construct, uh, because all of these things seem to be rooted in Genesis, where God has specifically put these things in place. In fact, later on in like 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Timothy 2, uh, even Ephesians 5, when Paul is talking about gender, about how men and women should relate to one another, he keeps pointing the readers, <clears throat> the readers back to the uh, Genesis account and rooting his teaching in the New Testament on what happened in the Old Testament, which leads us to believe that God put something inherently there in men and women. There's a cre- there's an order to the creation account that that does teach that this is not a social construct. That these are these are biblically uh, roles assigned roles. There's an assignment that God has given uh, to men and women, and sometimes culture can reinforce it. Sometimes culture can fight against it. Um, and, and so when you come to a passage like Galatians 3.28, where a lot of egalitarians do say, see, this in Christ, you know, gender issues don't matter, what we would say <clears throat> is that um, you can't allow Galatians 3.28 to contradict what Paul has already said in Ephesians 5, uh, Colossians 3. You can't allow it to contradict what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 11 and, uh, and even, uh, even uh, 1 Timothy 2. And so we would argue that Galatians 3, when it says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, they're all one in Christ, it means that in Christ it's really making a statement 
again, of equality between men and women. And in saying that in Christ, uh, men don't get some sort of bigger inheritance than women because they're men. Women don't get some sort of bigger inheritance than men because they're women. Uh, there's an equality there that in Christ we're all equal joint heirs, as as Romans 8 <clears throat> would argue. We're all joint heirs. We're all equal in sharing in the inheritance that God gives in Christ Jesus. And so it doesn't negate the differences. It just reinforces that even in Christ there's full equality uh, between men and women. Well, Randy, you know, I, I can hear the objections beginning to come, and uh, right after this break, I'm going to have you address this, because a lot of people would say that, uh, you know, if you say that women should play a subordinate role in following their husband's leadership or in not assuming the office of pastor and so forth, if you say that, that implies that they aren't equal. You can say that they're equal, but they're not equal in the gift of salvation and in what God is doing in the church and in the home. And uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to get you to address that and talk to us about how is it they can be equal. In what sense are they equal? In what sense are they different? Great. Look forward to it. Well, that's the first part of our interview with Dr. Randy Stenson, the executive director of the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And he's going to talk about in the second part of the interview Uh, what the role is of men and women in the church in particular. And we're going to address 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. Now listen to this verse. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2.12, But I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Let me read that. It says, But I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. If you have your Bible open right now, this may be a really clean section in your Bible. You've never written there because you've never heard a sermon on it because it's one of those controversial passages. And we'd like to know after the interview what you think about this. What are the roles of men and women in the church and in the home? How do you feel about this? What Dr. Stenson is saying. When we come back, we'll look forward to hearing from you in the last segment at about a quarter till. Our number here is 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. We look forward to talking to you. Uh, Call us at 545 and we'll hear from you then. Thanks. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This is Denny Burke in for Jerry Johnson. We're going to continue with our conversation with Dr. Randy Stinson, Executive Director for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, about the biblical roles of men and women in the church and in the home. Okay, Randy. So how is it that you know women who are supposed to follow the leadership of their husbands and who don't serve in leadership positions in the church, on your view, I mean, how is it that they're still considered equal? In what sense are they equal? Well, they're equal, they're equal in their personhood, which is, which is the most important element of equality. They're equal when God says in Genesis 126 and 127 
that uh, male and female, he created them in the image of God. He, made, he created them. The, the Bible is saying that men and women are equal in their personhood, in their essence, in, in who they are. So that just because one has one gender and the other has another gender doesn't mean that one is better than the other. Our, our culture functions uh, in this way all the time. Our culture is based on issues of, of authority and submission. Our government, our local authorities, even law enforcement, uh, when you and I go to a physician's office, uh, the physician, we're giving that physician some sense of authority in our lives. Uh, he's not a better person than we are, but we give him a certain amount of authority. And all the Bible is saying is that with regard to the home and the church, there's an intentional structure there based on gender that that still reinforces full equality of essence and personhood before God. And then the roles... The roles are just different. I mean, if you look in in First Corinthians and and see the the gifts of the Spirit, there there are all sorts of gifts. And one of one of Paul's uh, intentions there in teaching on the gifts of the Spirit is that is that all the gifts are important, and all you know one should not say to the other, you know, I don't, I have no need of you. And this is this is in keeping with the thrust of the whole Bible that the different roles between men and women should not should not determine how we value one another. Uh, there are never statements of worth and value in the Old and New Testament based on someone's function. And so that's why we think this fits in perfect harmony with the thrust of the Bible, where God says, yes, there is full equality, but yes, there are also at the same time differences in role. And these differences in role are not things that determine our, our personal value or our personal worth, because even the, the gifts of the Spirit are divvied out uh, in different ways, and they're not to be determining value or worth. So how does all this play out practically in the church and the home? So what does this mean practically for women who are serving and wanting to do ministry in the church? And then let's, we'll talk about the home after that. First okay. of all, the church. All right. Well, the church. Some of the governing passages would be, um, you know, First uh, Timothy 2. Uh, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, look, you know, in the church, I really don't permit a woman to teach or have authority uh, over a man. And Paul is helping Timothy, you know, structure the, the local church. And so what we would say is if there are teaching roles and roles of authority in the local church, then these, these positions should be, should be reserved for men. In the typical church, it's pastor, um, associate pastor, sometimes music minister, depending on what the role is. Today in churches that practice ordination into the gospel ministry, then we would say that that practice of ordination should be reserved only for men because it is typically associated with gospel ministry and pastoral leadership or some sort of pastoral role in the local church. But we also have Titus 2 that helps round out uh, the role, the key role that women play in the local church, and that is Titus 2 says that older women should be teaching the younger women. And there, there are myriads of ministries available to women in this regard that are, are necessary. Older women who have been down the road uh, a little bit further than the younger women have a key role to play in encouraging them and teaching them. And so that's how it would generally look in, in the local church, where the predominant uh, teaching roles, if they're going to be teaching men, or if the responsibility is going to involve authority over men, then those positions should be, should be reserved for men. And women should embrace the Titus 2 ministry of teaching other women. So 1 Timothy 2, you're saying, uh, what is it, 1 Timothy 2.12 says that, you know, Paul says, I don't allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority 
over a man. So women would not be allowed to teach mixed groups or, or male groups, and they also would not be allowed to be a pastor or an elder, whatever the authoritative office holder is in the That's church. That's right. That's right. You know, when we're, when we're talking about it in this way, what CBMW is trying to do is say, we're not just trying to look around and say what, see what we can prohibit women from doing. This, this whole issue is about biblical authority, and we want the church to be structured in the way that, that God has laid out, and we want to be obedient to the Scriptures. And so our, our key underlying theme of our whole ministry and why this is so important to us is that when we begin to erode biblical authority in one area, it becomes much easier to erode it in other areas. Mm. And this seems to be one of the areas at which uh, the church is caving uh, readily and easily, and it's one of the primary places at which the culture is impacting the church, where the church should, should really be impacting the culture. Well, how does this play out in the home? Well, in the home, in the home what, you're, what you're going to have is the day in and day out uh, bearing of the primary directional leadership of the home by the husband. People always ask me, what's the difference between your home and an egalitarian home? And I would say, well, you know, if you just take some snapshots of me walking in the door, I'm sure an egalitarian husband kisses his wife like, like I kiss my wife, and we eat dinner together, and I love my kids, and I'm sure he loves his kids. So if you take just a few snapshots, it may look the same, but I think over the long haul, the day in, day out, week in, week out, if you could see the long video of our home as compared to the normal egalitarian home, what you would see is a primary directional leadership being given by me as the husband, the bearing of the weight day in and day out of where this home is going and how it's getting there. It has a way of uh, relieving things off the shoulders of my wife where she can focus on uh, the things that she does during the day, day in and day out with the children and, and keeping of the home. And it produces a harmony in the home that is not measured by just a snapshot. It's measured by the long haul. And it produces a level of unity, harmony, structure. And in my mind, it's, it's a reflection of the gospel that Paul points to in Ephesians 5, so that we're, we're really trying to picture the gospel, this relationship between Christ and the church. And that can't be done in, in an egalitarian home. We're talking to Randy Stinson, the executive director of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Their website is www.cbmw.org, and you should go check that out. Randy, what do you do in a Christian home when a Christian wife and a Christian husband disagree? And they're at a genuine impasse, and a decision has to be made about a thing, and they can't come to an agreement. I mean, do we just always go with the husband, or how does that work? Well, this has happened uh, in various cases uh, in, in different homes that come to me for advice, and here's uh, a, a few solutions. One, uh, when that really genuinely happens, and, and honestly, it, it happens less often than, than you might think. If you have two people that love each other, that care about each other, that are seeking the Lord, you may disagree about what restaurant you want to go to or where you know what meal to have, but on these bigger bigger decisions... People that love each other and care about each other are going to be looking out for the interest of the other. They're going to be thinking eternally. They're going to be thinking about a gospel-centered solution uh, to these major decisions. Uh, sometimes you, you might want to get somebody else involved, somebody else you respect. My wife uh, has more 
uh, confidence in my leadership because she knows that in major decisions, I'm not only talking to her about them, but I'm talking to other leaders. I'm talking to other people that might be able to give input and advice and godly wisdom to these things. We put all that information together. And, and frankly, there are going to be some times where a decision has to be made. It's not clear what the decision is, and it is going to be the primary weight and the primary responsibility of the husband to make that decision. And, of course, that's what, that's what leadership and submission is all about. I mean, there are going to be times when a difficult decision has to be made. But I want to, I want to be clear that we're not talking about the husband being the ogre of the home or the dictator uh, of the home. We're talking about a type of leadership here that is for the good of another. It's not for one's own self-promotion. That's why we typically use the word to refer to Christ's leadership as servant leadership. And we believe that male leadership in the home and in the church should be reflecting the type of servant leadership that Christ demonstrated. But this doesn't mean that the husband doesn't lead. It means that he leads not for his own personal glory or so he can just feel good about himself about being in charge. He leads for the good of his family. And that's what motivates his leadership. And it's a sacrifice and a gift that he gives to his home. And if he has that motive, then he's going to be thinking very seriously about the impact of all of his decisions and the impact of all of his uh, directional commitments in the home on everybody in the home. This is Randy Stenson, the Executive Director of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Their website is www.cbmw.org. Randy, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it, and we hope to have you back. Great. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Danny. All right. Well, that was Randy Stenson. You heard what he said. He is arguing that in the church and in the home, there's a principle of headship that exists between the sexes, and it's based on gender. That is, in the church, pastors, male leadership, teaching, limited to the men of the church, in the home, women submitting to the leadership of their husbands. What I want to know from you is, is how does this work out in your home? What do you think about what Randy is saying? Do you agree or disagree? Give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. When we come back, I want to hear from you about how this works out in your home, whether you agree with any of this or you think it's just silly. 1-800-881-9270. This is Denny Burke in for Jerry Johnson. Listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This is Denny Burke in for Jerry Johnson. Today we're talking about all things gender. We've heard from Randy Stenson in the previous segments. He's saying that there's an there are issues of authority and headship that are supposed to exist in the church and in the home. In the home, the husband is the head of the wife. And there's issues of submission there. And in the church, the roles of pastor and leaders limited to men. Even teaching of mixed groups limited to men. What do you think about that? Give us a call at 
888-881-9270. Our first call is from Tiffany from Philadelphia. Tiffany, you're on the line. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm calling you from Philadelphia where I'm listening via the Internet. I just wanted to thank you and pay a tribute to Dr. Stetson for making that acknowledgement that I think a lot of times as godly women, we, we want to take it as it applies to us and not as it says in the Word of God. And I really appreciate him for pointing that out, that although women can be spiritual leaders uh, to children and to some extent in the home, I think it's important to recognize uh, a man's place in that arena. And I just want to thank you for taking my call and have a great day. Thanks, Tiffany. We have Mike from Lawton, Oklahoma, and he's online too. Yes. Mike, you're on. Yes, uh, I just want to thank uh, Randy for his views. Um, as far as the equality, I feel like men and women, as far as being an equal part, as far as obtaining that heavenly home through Christ Jesus' blood that he shed, uh, that's where I think a lot of times you know, we want equality on this earth, and it's take, having an equal part in that heavenly home, but there's specific roles that are played by the male and the female, and that started in the Garden of Eden with Adam, after the fall of man and the sin was committed, you know, Adam was commissioned to uh, till the ground and by the sweat of his brow to make his living. And the woman was going to have travail in childbirth. I mean, different roles to begin with. Even Christ with his bride, Christ played a different role than what the church that's made up of his constituents is. A lot of times, too, the assembly... Uh, we'd like to differentiate between what is the assembly that it's referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, keeping women silent, and what is actually in the world. Well, Mike, thank you for those comments. You know, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, I think Randy's right in one extent. There's, the Bible clearly affirms equality in one sense between women, men and women, and then really inequality in another sense uh, equal in worth and dignity and equal with respect to the benefits of salvation, uh, but differences with respect to roles, and those roles are connected to gender, it says. So uh, we also have another caller on the line, Lewis in Dallas. He's on line three. Lewis. Uh, yes, uh, it's Lois. Lois. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was spelled okay. a little wrong here. Everybody Go ahead, Lois. Um, you know, I, I just have a comment about all this. Uh I, uh, you know, there is so much that emphasis put on the women obeying their husbands. And I, you know, I, I go along with the Word of God, but the Word of God also teaches for a man to love his wife, even as Christ loved the church and died for it. And if a man truly loves his wife and treats his wife the way the Word of God teaches, she will not mind being under subjection to him. But so many men want to lord over a woman, and I don't know where this has came from. Men seem to, and I'm not saying all men, but there is a lot of men take that scripture where a woman's supposed to obey her husband, and they just go wild with that, and they don't take the rest of the Word of God. Either we're going to take part of it, we're going to take all of it, or we don't need to take any of it. Thank you, Lois, for that. We appreciate your call. I think you're right. One of the reasons this is such a controversial topic is because men over the centuries, well, from the beginning of time, have been abusive. Uh, They have abused their role as head and have not been as Christ. 
The Bible says men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, which means I'm willing to go to the death for my wife if need be. And from time to time, to time, I do marriage counseling myself. And when there's problems in a marriage or with a couple, I usually assume that the man is in the wrong. Uh, and less proved otherwise, I start with the assumption that the man is in the wrong just simply because God has appointed him as spiritual leader and as the one who lays down his life in behalf of his wife. And if there's a problem, it's his responsibility to fix it. We have another caller on the line, Bob in Dallas is not there anymore. Uh, We still want to hear from you, though, at 1-800-881-9270. We do have Gary in Russ Springs on line two. Wants to make a comment. Gary. Yes. uh, The way that I feel about it is that if you believe that uh, marriage is made in holy matrimony, that uh, sometimes men don't make right decisions. So God puts that right spouse with them. So that way, when they discuss things, uh, the woman... Uh, uh, goes over the things that he says, and he goes over the things that she says, and she helps make the right decisions through that. Uh, thank you, Gary, for that comment. You know, it's interesting that you would say that because in First Peter three it says, "In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands." Then in verse seven it says, "You husbands likewise, likewise live with your wives in an understanding way." And literally, it says, "Live with your wives according to knowledge." Which means, husbands, if you love your wives like Christ loves the church, part of loving your wife means you know your wife. You're not ignorant of her wants or her needs, but you know her. And uh, being the head of your home doesn't mean you run roughshod over your wife. It means you know what her needs are and you try to meet them. We have Curtis on line three from Bedford. Curtis. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I'm curious uh, how he would uh, classify a Joyce Myers or a Kay Arthur Uh, who are very widely known teachers, Uh, are they out of the authority of God? Well, this is one of the reasons why this is such a controversial issue, because in the church, uh, people aren't observing the way he was uh, teaching and his view on 1 Timothy 2, verse 12. It's a view I happen to share, uh, because 1 Timothy 2, and verse 12 says, Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. The fact is, you have... uh, you know, women teaching mixed audiences, teaching men all the time in parachurch and in church settings. And so it's, it, you know, obviously if, if this interpretation of the Scripture is correct, there are people that are not doing this. So, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons it's so controversial. There is, you know, this is the complementarian viewpoint that, you know, teaching and exer- the exercising authority is limited to men. Um, but that's not to say that there's not a role for women to exercise their teaching gifts. It's just in the right context where is where they want to do it. So uh, teaching other women, according to Titus 2, is one thing. Older women are supposed to be teaching the younger women. They're supposed to be teaching the children in their home, and I would argue also in the church. Uh, there's plenty of places for women to exercise their gifts, but you kind of move outside of the proper context uh, when you... You know, I think violate First First Timothy chapter two, and verse twelve. But there's a variety of viewpoints on this. This is no doubt the not the last time we'll talk about it. Thank you for joining us on Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live. 
a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.